Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And what's new? Nothing, really. I'm very emotional today. What's <laughs> going on? well, I mean, this is kind of personal to get into on a podcast, but I kind of wanted to dedicate this episode to our grandfather. Our grandfather, Boo, passed away a few days ago. So it's just been... An emotional roller coaster, I feel. Yeah, you don't have to talk more about it. I figured that's what it was about. He was amazing, <laughs> and I think it's nice to dedicate this episode to him. yeah. Other than that, I I mean I haven't really been watching or reading anything, so Yeah, lots lots going on outside of normal life. yeah, so I don't know if you have been. Is there anything you wanted to mention aside from what we said last week? No, I mean, I've been watching Wednesday. I've been procrastinating on buying Christmas presents because that's what I do every year. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with Christmas presents. I have not even started my Christmas shopping yet. Oh my God, that makes me nervous. Okay, I, I'm not at that point, but I feel like, I mean, my family's Christmas is this weekend. And but I mean, by the time you'll be listening to it, it'll have passed. But I haven't gotten the majority of things, so I'm a little anxious about that, but <laughs> it'll all be good. It'll all work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it will. I know I have to start ordering stuff online or I'm going to be a little bit screwed, I think. Yeah. Remember how bad it was last year with COVID and like trying to get things shipped on time? Yeah, I think I'm going to start tomorrow. I probably should get that done. Aside from that, I feel like I've just been distracted for obvious reasons, but also just busy with normal life where I haven't had time to really dive into anything new. So it's been all like the same stuff or just nothing. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> So that's it. Now you know everything about our lives. yeah. So let's just get right into our coffee review, I guess. <laughs> Unless if we can think of anything else, we'll add it on at the end. yes. So today's coffee was not sent by a company, but mom had actually picked these up and she got them at Costco, I believe she said. They're so good. And the coffee we're reviewing today is La Colombe. And it's spelled L-A-C-O-L-O-M-B-E. And that's their website, but just add a .com at the end, lacolombe.com. You can also find their Instagram, Coffee, And, you know, obviously they post a bunch of stuff about the new and seasonal things that they have. Yes, we are drinking the Vanilla Latte Cold Brew from them. And I'll read their little description that they have online. It says, enjoy a can of the same creamy and balanced cold brew deliciousness we've been perfecting in La Colombe cafes since 1994 with a touch of vanilla. This iced coffee upgrade has the classic full taste and texture of a true cold latte, complete with a frothy layer of milk, real vanilla, and two shots of espresso. Best enjoyed chilled. I gotta say, this is my favorite canned iced coffee that I've ever had. Agreed. And I want to point out because we didn't have the one with this in it, but they do make oat milk versions. Oh, yes, yes. So that's really nice to know for all our lactose intolerant friends out there, <laughs> including myself. Including Brynn, but she didn't do it. <laughs> 
They have some really delicious flavors outside of that, too. They have a mocha. They have salted caramel latte, which sounds amazing. Peppermint mocha latte. Okay, peppermint mocha. I'm in. Yeah. So, they, like I said, they have seasonal stuff, but damn, the vanilla is so good. And just like they said, how they described it with there being a little froth to it, Mm -hmm. I really like that. Mom said don't shake it, though, because it will explode. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) So just keep that in mind. Honestly, they have it on Amazon, by the way. I think I'm going to order a bunch more. Oh, there's hazelnut, too. Oh, we all know that we love our hazelnut. Right. And, like, this is such a good thing to have. It's easy. You don't have to do anything. It's literally in a can. You just grab it. I think it's honestly better than some of the cold brews I've had at, like, coffee shops. Definitely. I had actually reached out to them this week too. So hopefully soon we'll be hearing from them to maybe try some of their whole bean or ground coffees. We'll Mm -hmm. see about that. But they are a coffee roaster. So that's probably why their stuff is extra delicious. So good. So what do you want to rate this one? I'm going to rate it a nine. Yeah? Yeah. I was going to say probably 8.75 so good for sure yeah 8.759 I think that's a fair rating agreed all right so anything else or should we get into it I think let's jump into it okay so grab your coffee and have a morning with us today we are going to be talking about Shanquella Robinson and as we always do we'll start with a little background she was born Shanquella Bernada Robinson and she was born on January 9th, 1997. Her parents are Bernard Robinson, her dad, and Salamandra Robinson, which is her mom. And they lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's 25 years old at the time of this story, and she's described as strong and charming. She had graduated from Winston-Salem State University, and she was a businesswoman. She actually was a founder of her own clothing line, which is amazing. So incredible. Very cool. And a hairstylist. She ran a boutique beauty and children's hair braiding business. That is the cutest thing I've ever heard. That is so cool. And I actually checked out her Instagram and she had pictures of children who she had done hairstyles on and she did an amazing job. So talented. And I can't even imagine the patience you have to have to braid, like, little kids' hair like that, because that takes a lot of time and patience. hmm Her brands were called Exquisite Kids and Exquisite Boutique. Very, very cute. So, moving on to October 28th, 2022, Shanquella, a.k.a. she was also known as Quella, that's what her friends called her, She went on a vacation to Cabo St. Lucas, Mexico. This was supposed to be like a short trip. And she was there with a friend and five other acquaintances. In total, there was three women and three men. And I'm going to list the names of everybody. Khalil Cook, Malik St. Patrick Dyer, Winter Essence Donovan, Elise Michelle Hyatt, Dejanay Jackson, in Nazir Wiggins. They all checked into a luxury apartment that they rented for their stay. 
and this was located in the Puerto Los Cabos Resort. So moving on to October 29th, 2022, which is the day after they arrived, around 2.13 p.m., a doctor from American Medical Center, Cabo San Lucas, was summoned to the resort. The doctor was told a resident was, quote-unquote, feeling unwell. Around the same time, Salamandra, who was Quella's mom, got a phone call from one of the people Quella was traveling with. They told her that Quella was ill and that a doctor was coming to help her. That literally had to have been the most terrifying phone call. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, who knows how much detail they went into with how ill she actually was. But yeah, your child is in another country and you're getting this phone call. Yeah, I just, I would go into sheer panic mode. Mm-hmm. Dr. Carolina Beatriz Ornelas Gutierrez arrived at the resort within an hour. She found, quote, a female in stable condition, but dehydrated, disoriented, verbally unresponsive, unable to communicate, and appearing to be intoxicated. And that was a quote from Wiki. Oh, my God. The traveling companions said that Quella had, quote, unquote, drank a lot of alcohol. It was recommended by Dr. Ornelas Gutierrez that she be admitted to a hospital. Allegedly, the companions refused and insisted that she should be taken care of in the apartment. That is terrifying. Right. So this is completely going against doctor's orders. Right. And it had to have been, you know, obviously they know what intoxication looks like. It had to have been very bad if that's when she said, okay, you need to go to the emergency room or you need to go to the hospital. So from there, the doctor attempted to hook her up to an IV drip. Around 4.13 p.m., an hour after the doctor got there, Quella experienced a tonic-clonic seizure and sphincter relaxation. Oh, my God. So you know it's getting really bad at this point. Yeah. Around 4.20 p.m., an ambulance was called since her condition was obviously getting worse, and she started to have trouble breathing, and her pulse began to drop. Quella subsequently went into cardiac arrest. Around 4.49 p.m., paramedics at the scene tried to resuscitate Quella. They administered, quote, 14 CPR rounds of cardiac vascular compressions, an intrathoracic pressure to her chest in an attempt to reestablish venous blood oxygen saturation and blood flow, as well as injecting five doses of adrenaline and six electrical discharges from a defibrillator. And that was a quote from Wiki. Oh my God. So they did a lot to try to resuscitate her. Wow. I just can't even imagine how quickly and like how terrifying this must have been. Yeah, and the fact that all of that had to be done, and she had a seizure and went into cardiac arrest, and this was all over the course of basically two hours at this point, because the doctor had gotten there an hour after the phone call, Mm -hmm. and then another hour passed. I don't understand how, as a friend, you wouldn't be like, okay, she needs to get to a fucking hospital. Right, because she had at least one friend there. Yeah. Shanquella Robinson was declared deceased at 5.57 p.m. Oh, my God. 
Around 5.25 p.m., which is about 30 minutes before Quella's time of death was announced, police officers from Los Cabos Municipal Police Department arrived at the scene. So they came like a half hour before she passed. Officers Omar and David were briefed by the doctor about the situation. Dr. Ornelius Gutierrez relayed that she had been requested to the apartment for a woman who had, quote, drank too much alcohol. She told them of how she arrived. The woman, Quella, was stable but unresponsive. She discussed wanting to administer an IV and then requested to transport her to the hospital, which the companions denied. Oh my God, that's so awful. This whole thing is just like a nightmare. It's terrifying. And her death could have potentially been avoided. Right, who knows? Around 6.35 p.m., the general prosecutor's office in the state of Baja, California, sir, was notified by the investigating officers. Attorney Julio Daniel was notified of the death of Quella, who was a foreign citizen. The officers were told to file reports and investigation forms. This was to be done before the case was handed over to ministerial police. Based on accounts of the doctor and eyewitness, or the companions that were there, those were the eyewitnesses, the police report said the following, quote, deceased person, cardiopulmonary arrest, had died of alcohol poisoning, and she was dead two hours and 45 minutes after the doctor was called to the residence. And that was a quote from Wikipedia. Internal and external injuries were not listed on this initial police report or really any police report. So they just keep that in mind for later. They just said that she had passed a cardiopulmonary arrest from alcohol poisoning. So they basically took what was told to the doctor when the doctor got there and the doctor relayed that from the companions to them. And then that's what they wrote on the report, which is it's just so bad. Yeah. Moving on to the coroner report, November 5th, a notarized English translation of the report was released, and the following was noted. Date and time of death, October 29th, 2022, 1500 p.m. Cause of death, quote, severe spinal cord injury and atlas luxation. Approximate time between injury and death, 15 minutes. Situation, circumstance, or reason in which the injury occurred, quote, person found unconscious on her living room. Was it an accidental or violent death? The answer was yes. The autopsy report did not mention cardiac arrest or alcohol poisoning. Okay, I feel like there's a lot to unfold within that report yeah we can kind of go line by line because absolutely nothing of the coroner report matches what the police statement says yeah not to mention certain things just don't make sense whatsoever right so the coroner report determined that there was a severe spinal cord injury with atlas luxation so that would mean that something would have had to traumatic would have had to have happened to her Right, because atlas luxation, correct me if I'm wrong, that's like a dislocation of the neck. Yeah. So basically, like, her neck was broken. Yeah. She had to have, like, fallen or was injured by someone for that to have happened. 
Right, and there's no mention in her cause of death alcohol whatsoever. Also, approximate time between injury and death, 15 minutes. So by the time the doctor was called and arrived at the scene was well over 15 minutes. And she was still alive, according to the doctor's report, just unable to talk. Right. And the doctor, of course, didn't mention any sign of like a fight or a struggle or anything happening while she was there. Not to mention that the police report stated that she died two hours and 45 minutes after the doctor was called to the residence. Right. So how does that mean she died 15 minutes after her injury? That makes zero sense. That part threw me. And then the situation where the injury occurred, it said person was found unconscious on her living room. I'm so confused. Yeah, that's not really stating a reason or a circumstance as to what happened. It's just stating where she was found. And, like, was that where she was found? How does the coroner know that? (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, unless, again, it was just relayed information, but... I don't, I don't know. And the fact that the next thing says, was it accidental or violent death? Yes. That's accidental death and violent death could, could be two completely different things, like unrelated things. Right. Like something can be an accident and violent or something can be an accident and not violent. So just saying yes, that's not really answering which one it was or going into detail. You would think a report would have to have more detail into it. Right. I mean, I think this is the bare minimum of detail and it doesn't match anything that they said happened. Mm -hmm. Clearly, we are having our doubts already and the family had theirs as well. And there's also conflicting information that arose from all of this. So Salamandra Robinson, which again was Quella's mom, was suspicious when the companions of the trip returned and all of them had different stories or accounts of what had happened. Wow. Which right there is such a red fucking flag. And probably so devastating and confusing to her. Right. She's under the impression that These are people that her daughter was friends with and trusted enough to go on vacation with in another country. Right. Some said that a maid found her unconscious. Some said they called a doctor. And some said the apartment concierge called the doctor. At first, they said that she died from alcohol poisoning. And then a few days later, they admitted that, quote, there had been a fight that she was fighting and she had been jumped. Oh, my God. They told her parents they had found her in different locations. Someone said the floor, someone said the bed, someone said a chair. It was revealed that Salamandra had suggested that Quella be taken to the emergency room. So she said that she said this when she got that phone call from one of them. She was basically like, take her to the hospital right now. Mm -hmm. And the travel companions lied to her mom, and said that her travel insurance was not able to be used in Mexico, and an emergency room trip required $5,000 in cash for her to be seen. What the fuck is wrong with these people? 
clearly something. That just blows my mind that you have not only the audacity to not get her help, but then lie to her mom on the phone and make up this elaborate lie like that. You have to be a sociopath. Yeah, to be honest, with all this information, I'm surprised someone called the doctor at all. Right. I wonder who did. Yeah, but clearly it was probably done for their benefit because I don't think any of these people had her in mind at all. No. It's just it's just horrific. Yeah. Salamandra said her daughter's body showed signs of trauma. Aside from a broken neck, Quella had a knot on her head, bruised face, swollen eye, and a busted lip. How was none of that mentioned on anything? For real, though, that should have been listed in an initial police report. Yeah. It's physical signs of trauma. Right. For more than two weeks, the family tried to convince authorities in the U.S. and Mexico that her death was suspicious and should receive further investigation. The fact that they even had to try to convince authorities is so heartbreaking. I feel like they're was a lot of fuck-ups regarding Quella's case, at least in the beginning. Shanquella's sister, Quilla Long, made a GoFundMe that said they will be continuing to investigate. And this is a quote. Quote, the United States State Department released a statement claiming no clear evidence of foul play. Yet there is a video circulating of a woman violently attacking Shanquella, Long said. This statement is unacceptable and we are beyond devastated. We continue to fight for the truth. At the time of this recording, $400,138 has been raised of the $405,000 goal on the GoFundMe. Wow. There have been 6.6 thousand donors, including Brooklyn Nets player Kyrie Irving, who donated $50,000. Oh my god, I have the chills. Which is incredible. Wow. And I just, I hope that people continue to donate and that this family gets the answers that they deserve because this entire situation should not have happened to her. Right, and it's very clear that something traumatic happened, and it's like, who did this? hmm So, Bryn just mentioned that her sister had talked about a video that was released, so I'm going to talk about that video that was leaked. Twitter user bk Pretty Brooklyn spelled P-R-E-T-T-Y-B-R-K-L-Y-N, uploaded a video at 8.34 p.m. on November 15th with 2.7 million views. So the video clearly went viral. The video showed a naked African-American woman being beaten by an acquaintance in a bedroom of the vacation rental. Oh my freaking God. Salamandra confirmed it was her daughter Shanquella in the video. And this is a bit of a graphic trigger warning because it talks about violent physical abuse, but I'm going to go into detail of what happened in the video. The person begins punching Robinson in the head and beating her. The video then shows her being yanked by her neck from one side of the hotel bed to the other and then onto the floor. 
Her face was punched more and her head was kicked by the other woman's knee. The woman in this video then stopped the assault and stumbled back to the other side of the room. There were at least two other people in the room, a male that videotaped the assault and another person that captured the male recording. That's disgusting. Absolutely fucking horrifying. A male voice in the video can be heard saying, Quella, can you at least fight back? At least something? And Robinson replied, no. Clearly saying that she was not trying to put up a fight. Or at that point that maybe she even couldn't. This whole thing just makes me so sick to my stomach. Same. It's so disturbing that not only did this happen to her, but that instead of someone stepping in or helping her, they no, were encouraging. Yeah, they were videotaping it. There was multiple people videotaping it. There were people encouraging her to fucking fight back. And not to mention her poor parents and family had to see this video and watch this abuse happen to their daughter. That's fucking disgusting. And the fact that she was, like, in the nude, too. She was so vulnerable and just, like, defenseless with the whole situation. In reality, it was six against one. Right. So on to the aftermath. November 16th, State Attorney General's Office of Baja California Serve reopened the investigation into Quella's death. This was considered a potential femicide. According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, femicide is, quote, the gender-based murder of a woman or girl by a man. Which kind of doesn't make sense to me. Right. I thought it was a woman in the video. Yeah, maybe because it was encouraged by men with, like, filming and being, like, fight back kind of thing. Or maybe the man is referring to... Just like humans in general, and it's just outdated. I don't know why it's being specifically considered femicide. I wish they kind of went into that more, yeah. Yeah, especially since it was a woman who actually was attacking her. Unless we only see one side of the video and haven't seen more of it, everything. Yeah. Yeah. The crime scene was to be revisited and more evidence was to be collected. So on November 18th, FBI field office in Charlotte, North Carolina, also confirmed that it had opened an investigation into Quella's death. A day later, on November 19th, Shanquella Robinson's funeral took place at the Macedonia Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. November 23rd, the Attorney General of Baja California General Prosecutor's Office announced that there was an arrest court order. So this arrest court order was issued for an American. This person was also considered the quote-unquote direct aggressor in Quella's death. He also confirmed that she had not died from alcohol poisoning or an accident, but from quote-unquote direct assault, which, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, it took them long enough. As of November, talks of extradition back to Mexico were in the works. And according to local news, an arrest warrant has been issued, but no one has been identified yet with a criminal charge. 
I wonder why. I, maybe they're trying to get more information to not only have one person be responsible. Right. Because more than one person should definitely be responsible. There was clear accomplices in that. December 10th, which was literally this past weekend, a rally was held at Little Rock AME Zion Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This rally was to show support for the family as well as to demand justice for Shanquala. It was two and a half hours. And speeches were made by friends, ministers, pastors, community activists, and city and county officials. Her family is awaiting justice for Shanquala. And we will link Quala's GoFundMe in our show notes and on our Facebook page. Because there's a lot to that link. But if you want to donate to her GoFundMe, make sure you check it out. Because I'm sure her family would be so grateful. This case is just so devastating because it's so recent, too, and there's really not many answers to anything. I mean, I just can't even imagine what's going through her family's minds. Like, why did this happen? Who specifically did it? Did these people have a vendetta against her the whole time? You know, nothing is answered. Right. There's a lot of rumors going around, and clearly this can be absolute speculation, that this could have potentially been a premeditated thing. Mm-hmm. I think some of her family has leaned towards that because of other videos that have surfaced. Mm-hmm. But whether it was or wasn't, this is absolutely horrendous and should not have happened to this woman by people that she thought were her friends. In a, in a different country, it's just, it's the whole thing literally makes you sick to your stomach yeah there's no rhyme or reason for behavior like this and like people to make decisions or encourage decisions like this it just it does not make any sense it's just so inhumane right i just wish like i said there was more answers Mm-hmm. hopefully they'll be coming out i mean i think for whatever reason people decided to record a lot of the things that happened and those videos are surfacing yeah so at least even though it's awful that her family has to be put through that and see what actually happened at least there's video evidence of it and these people aren't gonna just get away with saying oh she drank too much alcohol or some shit like that Right. I want to know who leaked the video, too, and, like, how they had it and all of it. And how, like, everyone was actually involved and if everyone was actually involved. So many fucking questions. I feel like even if you're standing there doing nothing, though, that makes you part of it. Oh, 100%. Which, oh my gosh, I just feel so bad for her. That should not have happened to her. No, it's horrible. Hopefully we have an update with things soon and we can let you guys know yeah so because we don't have all the information as of yet for this case we are going to do a listener story this week so you guys will still have a longer episode yeah so 
today's listener story, they wanted to be anonymous, which is totally fine. And just a reminder, if you guys want to send in listener stories, you can be anonymous. We can say your name. You can talk about it. We can talk about it. Whatever you want. Just a trigger warning that they put on here. This story does talk about domestic violence. So if that's something that's triggering to you, please skip to the end of this episode. I shuffled uncomfortably on my feet. I wiggled my finger through the hole in my coat sleeve. I looked like a disheveled mess, a stained slash hole ridden coat from the Salvation Army. Washed out hand-me-downs that were too small, revealing boy socks I was wearing that someone donated to my mom. My sneakers were beat. I could poke through a hole in the top. Nervous, I took a deep breath. I saw a group of girls playing by the side of the school. They were everything I was not. They were pretty, they had nice clothing, new shoes from a store, not donated. I rehearsed this a thousand times in my head. I went over to the girls. They stopped, just stared at me. Faces in a scowl like they smelled something rancid. Can I play with you? I meekly said. My eyes instinctively looked to the ground. The silence continued, then erupted into laughter. My face flushed with embarrassment. I tried pulling my pant legs down with my shoes. I turned and walked away as fast as I could. I couldn't let them see me cry. I wouldn't want to be friends with me either. Oh, God. This is so sad. Oh, my God. I just want to squeeze you. I lived in such a small town. Everyone knew everyone else's business, meaning everyone knew about my biological father. Kids didn't want to be seen with the poor kid, let alone the kid of the town's nut job. It was very lonely, but I was guilty in the town's eyes of my fa- for my father's actions. I was his bastard child after all. One year for Christmas, I even mailed Santa a letter asking him if he could give me friends. To escape, I would draw. I would draw for hours. Frankly, it was the only thing I was any good at. Visitations made my stomach hurt. If he actually showed up, I was on high alert for the entire day. Every movement, the tone in his voice, I analyzed everything. I could never let my guard slip, not even for a moment. But he usually had better things to do. I would sit by the window for hours waiting for him to get us. I would see his car pass by but never stopped. I hated going with him. But every time he would pass by, chipped away at what was left of me. How important I could be if my own father didn't want to see me. While with him, it was filled with his delusions. He was convinced Canada was going to fight the states and return them back to British rule. He said I needed to be ready to fight. He gave me a code name and said when he said it, I would have to fight for him. He enrolled me in martial arts For hours, he would have me go over forms and do push-ups. The more I objected, the longer he would have me do it for. I knew it was all bullshit, but he could not see the reason. To question his delusions would make him rage. To keep the peace, I did what he said. One of his sayings that made my skin crawl was, I will never let anyone take you away from me. If I can't have you, nobody will. He would say it so casually, you would think he was talking about something mundane like the weather. 
I took this as more ramblings of his madness. My mom moved on and married my stepfather. We moved to the States. He grew spiteful and started demanding more visitations to appear like he cared. Drop-offs and pickups were always tense. Was a quite grudged match between my stepdad and bio dad. I would grab my overnight bag and walk as fast as I could to my stepfather's truck. My heart didn't slow down until he turned the engine on and we drove away. One day, my sister and I sat in the living room. I had my bag next to my feet, anxiously looking at the clock. Mom and my stepfather should be here anytime. I sat on a tattered old couch. He had South Park on the TV and my sister sat next to me. The carpet had not seen a vacuum in at least a year. Pop and beer cans lay all over the place, along with his plates with rotten food residue. The smell no longer fazed me. I was used to it. A knock on the door. Mom was finally here. I let out a sigh of relief. Before we could get up, my father was at the door and went outside to the front porch where Mom and my stepfather were. He closed the door. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. My stomach started turning in knots. I slowed my breathing to try to hear them outside. All I could hear was muffled talking. I bit my lower lip nervously. We were startled by a loud, solid thud that shook the wall. Somebody punched the siding. Then I heard my stepfather and dad in a screaming match. My arms and legs began to shake uncontrollably. Sounded like someone was beating a drum in my ears. My heart felt like it was going to burst from my chest. Mum's yelling was dwarfed by their shouting. I stood up. I wanted to get past them and in my stepfather's truck. The door flew open. My father's massive frame blocked the doorway. The look in his eyes was pure rage. Face in a grimace, baring his teeth. He stormed towards me. I dropped my center of gravity lower and covered my head with my arms. He grabbed me by my arm and dragged me like a rag doll. I tried pulling him off, but stood no chance with a six foot two, 300 pound man. He pulled me towards the door, but only let it open six inches. Say goodbye. You ain't going to fucking see her again, he growled. I didn't process what he had just said. In a state of shock, he squeezed my arm till it hurt. Do it, he screamed in my ear. Tears rolled down my cheeks. I should not have looked. I looked into the gap of the door. My mom's face was there, our eyes locked. They were filled with panic. She was terrified. She knew. Say it, he screamed. Goodbye. I blubbered through the sobs. He threw me backwards. I landed on a dirty carpet. He pushed his way onto the door and locked it. The solid clink of him locking the deadbolt. We were trapped. My sister and I screamed for our mom. She was beating on the other side of the door. She kept wailing for him to open the door. At first frantic. Then the thuds grew quiet out of defeat. I heard her softly whimper. The truck started up and drove off. They were leaving us here. A cold chill ran up through my whole body. We were trapped with a bloody lunatic. I couldn't run for the door. I was within striking distance. My sister ran to the bedroom and closed the door. I ran to the corner of the room and put my back to the wall. I could see whatever direction he was going to come from. 
I have never seen him so unhinged. He was screaming to the ceiling. That fucking bitch then flipped an armchair. There was no way out. I tried calming myself down. Someone will hear this. They will stop him. The cops will come. He grew more agitated. I closed my eyes. I saw my mom's eyes. His phrase popped up in my head. I will never let anyone take you away from me. If I can't have you, nobody will. This was it. Nobody was coming. He was pacing around the living room, screaming. He kept going towards the kitchen. In my gut, I knew he couldn't go in there. I started standing up. Do you want something to eat? I will get you something. Have a seat. Watch some TV, I said while standing up. Shut up, he screamed, as he threw a coffee mug in my direction. It shattered upon impact on the wall. I dropped back down to the floor, dropped my chin to my chest. I curled my body up to protect my head and chest. Why was no one stopping him? The whole damn block had to have heard this. The phone rang. He was too irate to even notice. It kept ringing until it finally went to voicemail. It rang again. I think you should answer it. My voice trembled. He paced and huffed around the phone. He finally picked it up at the final ring. He was on the phone for only a few minutes, then hung up. He was eerily quiet. Too quiet. He gave me a look from the corner of his eye. Every hair on my body stood up. Any part that remained of my father was gone. I couldn't take my eyes off of him. Felt like an eternity staring at him, waiting for it. I heard my stepfather's truck pull back in front of the apartment. Our eyes still locked. Emotionless, he breaks contact and unlocks the door. I sprinted past him to the truck. Once my sister got in, we drove off. That was the last time I ever stayed at his place. No one ever came to help us. Not one person called the police. It took my mom and stepfather driving to the police station themselves to have an officer call him. They didn't even bother to send a patrol car. Not one damn person even tried. You could hear the screaming down the block, just like so many of us, not their problem, not their business. I am one of the lucky ones. I got out. Call it divine intervention, sheer dumb luck. I'm alive. Sadly, there are countless others who were not so lucky. Every day, someone's final cry goes unnoticed. Waiting for help that is never coming or arrives too late. I understand we are taught from an early age to mind our own business. I'm begging you, please call the police if you feel something is not right. I'm giving a voice to those who were silenced forever. Think of it as, what if it was your mother, your daughter, your sister? Would you want someone to call if it were one of them? Please don't just turn the volume up on your TV or put headphones on. You could help save a life. To those who understand this all too well, I see you. Every day you fight the unseen battle. Cover every bruise, fake every smile. They think they own you. They have taken everything away from you. Your friends, your family, your job, your money. They even have taken your dignity. I am telling you, there is one thing they can never take away. Your inner spirit. What makes you you? What gives you the strength every day to keep fighting? 
If no one else has told you, oh my god, I'm gonna cry. No. If no one else has told you, I am so proud of you. You are stronger than you could ever know. You are beautiful. You are loved. Don't listen to them. They are trying to break you down because of their own failures. You never deserved any of this. Please don't feel like you are stuck there. The domestic violence hotline is available 24 hours a day. 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. You can call anonymously. They will help you set up a safe escape plan. If you are in a dark place, the updated National Suicide Hotline is 988. If you are not able to leave now, it's okay. I will be your silent cheerleader. You are worth more than you could ever know. Oh my god. Thank you so much to this anonymous person for sharing that and sharing your vulnerability with us and our listeners and anyone who needed to hear that I'm sure is so grateful to you I'm so sorry you had to go through what you had to go through and we will be sure to include those numbers in our show notes and on our Facebook as well for those who are more visual and need to see that I feel like you have such a voice and your strength just completely comes through your writing. And like Kelsey said, I'm so sorry you endured what you went through and that that happened to you, especially from a person that should have been there to comfort you. But I'm so glad you came out of it and you're just incredible. Absolutely incredible. So strong and you're so such an inspiration for people that are going through something similar and I hope that this reached somebody that really needed to hear that and again thank you so much for being so vulnerable and letting us talk about your story on our podcast yeah and feeling comfortable enough to share with us I feel like that's so massive wow and I just want to reiterate the part too that she said about people not staying silent when they observe or audibly hear something happening around them, it doesn't mean you need to jump in the middle of something and put your own self at risk, but you can make a phone call. I feel like that ties back to Shanquella's case today. Right. And the fact that there could have been six different people there that did something to stop what happened to her and no one did. Exactly. I have nothing more to add to that. I'm just, like, in shock. I feel like this whole episode was just pretty heavy today. I mean, not that it's never heavy, but these types of things are preventable if other people step in. Step in, Yeah. yeah. Right. And we can only hope that everyone escapes a situation that they're put in like that the way this person did. We know that's not always the case. Yeah. Sadly. So do what you can to report and talk about these things because you can save somebody's life. So should we jump into our spiel? I feel like there's nothing else that I have to say after that. Yeah, I feel like we should leave it at that because it's an important message and I don't I really don't want to take away. 
stray from that yeah yeah all right so you can find us on facebook at crime cults and coffee that's where we post our weekly resources photos for this episode we'll post the gofundme and those phone numbers that Bryn had just mentioned for the suicide hotline and for the domestic violence hotline and then you can also find us on instagram at crime cults and coffee that's where we post the coffees that we review every week photos from the episode and then also the link tree in our bio shows all of our listening platforms where you can listen to us at yes if you want to send us a listener story like this person was incredible enough to do or a case suggestion you can either email us at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com or you can send us a dm at crimecoltsandcoffee on instagram And I just want to put out there, too, we say this all the time, if you want to reach out to just talk, please feel free. We're not, like, licensed professionals, but we are here for you. Yeah, agree. Do what we can. Even if it's just being someone to listen, you know. Mm -hmm. If you would like to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Anchor, because now we know you can do that there. You can do that, and it will help our podcast to be seen. Plus, we love hearing feedback from all of you. If you do not have any of those options on any listening platform of your choice, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. Yeah. And until next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Regarding this case and our resources, follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram and Facebook.